up there in podcast land. You have set your dial once again to Combat Sports with Rhino. Episode 73. Holy smokes, we are rocking and rolling. My guest today, so I don't bury the lead, is the wonderful, the phenomenal, the fantastic, the amazing Serena DeJesus. Straight out of Las Vegas on a syndicate MMA, autism activist, pro MMA fighter, my friend. Unbelievable stuff. I can't wait for you guys to hear the interview later. Our schedule for today is as follows. I will have my coverage of Friday's PFL co-main and main event, Saturday's pro boxing match between Andy Ruiz and Chris Ariola, our full UFC Vegas 25 breakdown, Drea's world-famous drop of the night, our main card picks for UFC Vegas 26, of course, a Q&A session with some of the members of the Rhino Gang, gang gang then we've got our friend serena de jesus for the second time on cswr joining us to go 10 rounds with rhino can't wait for you guys to check that out so without further ado let's go ahead and get our swim trunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in the pfl from friday night was from new jersey uh the co-main event we had ray cooper the third versus jason pone this one was quick bro we had ray cooper the third you know former pfl champion getting the quick arm triangle just 123 in a round one ran right through jason six points for him in the uh, tournament style that the PFL has. And then Rory McDonald, who all of us who are UFC fans know, uh, he's one half of the greatest UFC fight I've ever seen with uh, with Robbie Lawler from their second bout. So Rory McDonald versus late replacement Curtis Millinder. Rory McDonald got the RNC at just 338 in a round one. So he advances, gets six points as well. So both Ray Cooper the third and Rory McDonald advance at, uh, with first round submission. So very cool for them. Moving into, I'll just real quick, the heavyweight bout uh, from boxing last night was Andy Ruiz Jr., former lineal world heavyweight champion against Chris Ariola. This one was a fun fight. I know Ariola has kind of been looked at as a journeyman as of late, um, but he's a great fighter. They both looked in spectacular shape, especially for them. They're both known as bigger, heavier set guys. They both look fantastic. Chris Ariola, man, especially the first few rounds, did a fantastic job keeping the pressure on, putting Andy on his back foot. Lots and lots of jabs and one-twos. Um, Andrew Ruiz then kind of stuck his foot in the ground, decided to start to move forward. I gave I gave four rounds to Ariola and I gave eight to Ruiz. Ruiz got the unanimous decision. I thought it was a really entertaining fight. I was sad to see a lot of you know fist fights breaking out in the audience. I know a lot of people online love that shit. I don't. I think it's just one of the uh, many many black eyes that boxing already has just adds to it. Um, if, if there's people fighting in the ring or the cage, you don't need to fight in the audience. Okay. You don't need to do it. If someone bumps into you, just say, Oh, excuse me. And then move on. Right. It's not that big of a deal. There's no need to be fighting in the fucking audience, dude, for any reason. All righty. Let's move into happier things and we'll get into UFC fight night, Las Vegas, 25 full breakdown. The first prelim was Luke Sanders, or Cool Hand Luke as he's known, versus Felipe Calaris. This one was all Luke Sanders early. Beautiful shots, dropped Felipe early. Uh, Luke pounced on and got some ground and pound, had some nice combos on the feet. But, you know, Felipe was not to be denied. He kept coming back, and that's kind of been his moniker, right, is being able to be really tough and then, you know, made his way through to got these unanimous decision. Uh, I think some of his late takedowns were were a big part of that. But again, his conditioning seemed to be better as well. So Felipe Calares got the unanimous decision over Luke Sanders at 145 pounds. Moving into Andreas Michalidis versus KB Bular, the Bengal. Um, this one was weird. Bular liked to stay at distance and just kind of slap little tiny leg kicks all fight and throw little 
quick jabs and then kind of move away. Uh, Andreas was far more kind of wading in big, huge, wide <laughs> reaching around punches. Uh, he landed a few of them, nothing spectacular, uh, but he was the only one kind of pressuring the fight, making, trying to make things happen. Not a very fun fight to watch on any, for any reason. <laughs> so Andreas got the unanimous decision in that one. Uh, moving into my girl, Sam, the Sam Page Hughes versus Loma. Luke Boone. This one was, a tale of different rounds and different things, right? The first round, Loma did a great job. Uh, she did some nice work with the clinch, kind of taking Sam down via the clinch, a late takedown for Loma. In the second round, it was a lot of Sam pressing Loma against the cage with the double underhooks. Uh, not a whole lot of striking happened. It was a lot of clay, you know, clinch work and cage work in the second. And in the third, I thought Sam clearly won the third. The beautiful uh, Superman punch he landed a few times, some quick jabs. I for sure thought that Sam won the third. Loma won the first. And the second round was really the toss-up. The judges saw fit to give it's a uh, Loma Luke Boone, and you know I, I can't I can't say otherwise that Sam is my friend. I love her. She is so awesome. I think she's going to be a fantastic uh, player at 115 pounds very soon. Uh, kudos to Loma for getting the win last night. You know, we'll see what's next. I know Sam's going to be back, and we'll see what happens next for Loma at 115 pounds. Moving into the 125, we have Pauliana Botelio versus Luana. Carolina. Carolina came in two pounds overweight, by the way. Um, this one was dominant. Pauliana in the first, dude. Uh, the second round a little bit closer. Luliana kind of took advantage. And then Luliana Carolina was on, on Pauliana's back almost the entire third round. A uh, little bit of ground and pound, kind of chasing a couple subs. Nothing, you know, nothing substantial in the third, but she really was backpacked to her the entire third. So Luliana Carolina gets a split decision over Pauliana Botello. Um, yeah. That's that's I don't know. I wasn't super impressed with either one of them, to be honest, in the second or the third. Moving into what I'm going to say, unfortunately, was the robbery of the evening. And yes, I am biased because Kai Kamaka has, has been on my show and he's an awesome dude. But I just legitimately I thought he won this fight. TJ Brown did a great job. Um you know, there was a big right hand early for Kai that dropped TJ. He had a lot of nice calf kicks. TJ had some nice jabs. He had good footwork. Uh, he slipped Kai. He had a lot. He slipped Kai a lot. You know, he had a good head movement. Kai landed a beautiful head kick. TJ hurt Kai with a shot. Kai dropped TJ again. So uh, there was a big sub attempt for TJ. It was a very close fight, very back and forth. But I thought definitely Kai Kamaka won. The judges did not see it that way. TJ Brown got the split decision. I didn't agree with it, but it is what it is. I'm not a judge. All right. Moving into Liana Pingaro versus Random Marcos. This one was strange, right? So uh, Miranda, or not Miranda, Randa would kind of storm forward. Luana would grab her and like toss her on her head, dude. She had a couple of really beautiful judo throws. Um, Luana poked Randa in the eye at least a couple times that I'm sure of. Uh, Randa kept on going. They go to the ground and Randa kicked Luana in the face like pretty gnarly, dude. Like she kind of threw one to push her off and then hit another one straight in the face. There's a question about this later in the Rhino Gang, so I don't want to get dive too deep into this right now, but it looked to me, I was kind of like in the same camp as Paul Felder. It looked to me like um, Luana was kind of playing it up a little bit. It didn't seem to be that bad. There seemed to be a very delayed reaction. I kind of changed my mind a little bit later on as I saw it more, but like I said, we'll get into that in the Rhino Gang question. So DQ for Random Marcos. Uh, so Luana Pinheiro gets the, um, gets the DQ win in that one. 
Moving into 135 pounds, we had Cody Stamen versus Mirab Devashvili. This one was fun. Mirab was constantly taking Cody down, moving forward. Cody did a good job with his um, stick and move kind of stuff, and he, he tried to get in a couple times on Mirab. Mirab is on a whole other level. I really was kind of picking with my heart on that one because Cody's a Michigan dude. Uh, Mirab looked fantastic. He outlanded Cody by 100 strikes, exactly, 172 to 72 plus the takedowns mirab is a fucking problem at 135 pounds got the unanimous decision over the very tough cody statement moving into sean strickland versus christoph jocko this one was fun this one was especially the first round sean really came out and was landing beautiful combinations um jocko likes to move away that's kind of his style strickland in the first round really kind of walked him down in the second and third he kind of took his foot off the gas a little bit didn't really storm on christoph you know kind of like he did in the first round but he clearly won all three rounds as far as i was concerned he got the unanimous decision as well he is now 23 and 3 and we got a question about him later oh you know what we don't have a question about him i asked a question on friendly sparring about him so check that one out later all right, so big win for Sean Strickland. Moving into the 205 division, we had Justin Dustin Jacoby versus Ion Kutilaba. We all saw what happened at the weigh-ins. Ion being the weirdo that he is, grabbed Dustin around the back of the neck. Dustin shoved him across the stage. I thought this was going to be like a lot of crazy uh, standing up stuff. The first round was a lot of Ion on the back of Dustin, landing little elbows and hammer fists over and over again. Dustin could not seem to get break free from that. He started the round well with some nice jabs and footwork, but once Ion grabbed him, put him against the cage, it was all Ion in the first round. In the second, another early takedown for Di for Ion. Dustin was able to get up on the feet from there. The second round was kind of close. You know what I mean? I'm not sure. I, I kind of would edge it to Kutalaba. And then in the third, I definitely gave it to Dustin Jacoby. This one ended up being a split decision draw. So one judge had it one way. One judge had it the other. And then one judge had it a 10-8 round for the first round, which made it a draw. So a split decision draw, which is very rare to see. I hope those guys are to run it back, or at least somebody gets to smash Kutalab in the face because I'm sick of him. <laughs> Moving into Giga Chikizi versus Cub Swanson. Finally, no more decisions. We got a quick, we got a quick TKO. Uh Giga threw a beautiful. I mean, I like I like Cub Swanson. I always have, but I was talking shit with some of my homies in the group chat about I I thought Giga was gonna win and they were all rooting for Cubs. So uh, I would just kind of be the contrarian at that point. <laughs> Giga threw a beautiful liver kick. Cub couldn't hide the pain. Kind of slumped down to his knees. Giga kind of jumped on him, landed a few uh, punches. The fight was over in just about a minute into the first round. TKO for Giga Chikizi over Cub Swanson. And then into our main event. We had Yuri Prohaska versus Dominic Reyes in the 205-pound division. I got to be honest with you, dude. I, I didn't even take any notes of the first round. I was so hyped up. I was so looking into it. It was so fun. I, I was just so stoked for this fight. And then we get through the second round. Again, Yuri Prohaska is winning at every level. Uh, and then we get to towards the end of the second round. And Dom is up against the cage. Yuri throws like an overhand elbow, right? Misses everything. But on the turn turned it into a spinning back elbow with his left elbow that smashed Dom Reyes perfectly in the face, knocked him clean out, spinning back elbow, win for Yuri Prokoska, 
or from Prochaska, if you say it correctly, Prochaska, over Dom Reyes. What a beautiful KO. So far, KO of the year for sure. Gosh, I love spitty shit when it actually lands. Huge win for him. Big loss for Dom Reyes. We got a question about him later in the in the Rhino Gang question and answer section as well. So, yeah, after a lot of decisions, it was nice to get a couple of stoppages in spectacular fashion. So I was stoked on that. So it kind of so there was a lot of highs and lows for the old Rhino in that one, right? Uh, all right. So D Reigns, that's our recap of uh, UFC Vegas twenty five. Let's go ahead and Drea call and get her Drea's world famous drop of the night. All righty, Fight Fam, joining us once again is our girl, the feature player, Drea, bringing her this week's Drea's World Famous Drop of the Night. Drea, what'd you land on last night? My drop in the night has to come from last night's main event between Yuri Prohaska and Dominic Reyes. These guys were throwing bombs through round one, uh, and then Yuri's unorthodox style last night, it definitely proved that um, it works for him. He ate quite a few shots from Reyes, but his toughness and grit, it got him through. Um, and he continued to counter and just land shots back to Reyes. And then what after look after what looked like a, a brutal beating for Reyes, Yuri just finished him off with the spinning uh, back elbow at the end of round two that just folded Reyes and he fell to the ground out cold. So my drop of the night definitely has to go to Yuri Prohaska. And an incredible Drea's drop of the night, indeed. All right, let's go ahead and get into our picks for next week's UFC Vegas 26. Not the sexiest card on paper, Drea, but those of us who love the UFC will definitely watch it and be into it. So let's go ahead and get into our picks. I will start us off with, I've got Phil Hawes beating Kyle Daukus by unanimous decision. What's your pick on that one? Uh, I'm going Phil Haas as well, but I'm going to TKO in round three. Perfect. Round three TKO for Dre in that one. All right. We have the return of Gregor Gillespie on his way back from the shadow realm that Kevin Lee put him in. <laughs> <laughs> versus Diego Fajeda. I've actually got Gregor Gillespie using his wrestling, so I'm going Gregor Gillespie unanimous decision over Diego in this one. What about you? Um, I am actually going Diego for the unanimous decision over Gillespie. Well, I will never talk shit about you picking somebody different from me because once again, Drea beat me last night and <laughs> by one, it's still a win. It's still a win. So you're not going to hear me talking any shit for a while. So Jeff Neal versus Neil Magny. I've got Neil beating Neil, but Jeff Neal beating Neil Magny. Third round TKO in this one. What about you? Um, I'm going Neil Magny with this one, and I think he's going to get the unanimous decision over Jeff Neal. So we have, uh, we have our Neil versus Neil, and you got Neil, and I got Neil. All right. right. <laughs> into, uh, I got Amanda Ribas beating Angela Hill by a very close split decision. I think when it's on the feet, Angela is going to do a little bit better than Amanda. I think when Amanda gets her down, she's going to land some nice ground and pound, go for some subs, but Angela Hill is going to be able to uh, get rid of the subs, not get submitted. But I still have Amanda Ribas winning by a very close split decision. What's your call on that one? Um, I'm going Angela Hill with a unanimous decision on this one. I'm hoping because she's kind of been robbed in her last few fights of decisions. So I'm hoping uh, for Angela Hill to get the unanimous decision on that one. Definitely Angela Hill fan over here as well. All right. Well, we know who, speaking of fandom, we know who <laughs> I'm not a fan of ever, ever, ever. Will I pick Ben Rothwell? So I've got Felipe Lins KO in the second over Ben Rothwell. 
I'm pretty sure I know who you're picking, but go ahead. I am not a fan of Ben Rothwell either, but I still have to take him to, to get the win. I think it's going to be Ben Rothwell uh, with a KO as well, just like you picked in round two, but just the opposite. Oh, Drea, for Pete's sake. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. Uh, I know. I pick him and you don't. Guess what happens? He loses. <laughs> No, I think he. Oh, he did lose the last one. No, I think he won. He won. I know at least one of the two times I've picked him, he won. I think. I think he's won both. So that's why I was saying he loses. But but moving into the main event, we have Michelle the Karate Hottie Waterson. (sighs) Well, there's Champ joining the conversation. Uh, He loves. He agrees with you. We got Michelle, the Karate Hottie Watterson over Marina Rodriguez. I got this one being a good fight. Uh, I've got unanimous decision win for Michelle Watterson. What about you? I'm on the same page uh, as you for that one. I'm going Michelle Watterson for the unanimous decision. All right. So those are our main card picks for UFC Vegas 26 this coming Saturday on UFC Fight Pass. And without that, just the... uh, prelims and then everything's on ESPN plus. So let's go ahead and get into our Twitter questions. I know our first one comes from the big homie Dean dog, our Harley Davidson riding homie. What do you got this week, Dean? Since UFC 261 was so good, do you think 262 will be even better? It, it certainly has like the, like the potential, right? You're talking about Oliveira versus Chandler for the 155 pound belt. Leon versus Nate. Burgos versus Barbosa. That one could be so violent. I'm really looking forward to that. Tony versus Benil. These are these could all be great. I think it has the potential to be as good. Here's the problem. 261 was phenomenal. A. I mean, there was 10 fights on there that I really, really love. And then you got to take into account that there was three title fights on the line, right? You don't get that every pay-per-view. You don't get that every card. This one has one championship on the line, which is great. But I don't think it's quite got the exact same level of hype for it, right? Because it doesn't have the three title fights out. But I think it really could be a good card. A lot of potential for some fantastic fights. So I think maybe, Dean, it has potential. Maybe it could be as good as 261. And we're talking about 262. So thank you very much, Dean Dog. Hope you have a great weekend, my dude. All right, Dre, let's go ahead and get into our girl, Ashley, formerly the MMA nerd, now of the Silly Little Podcast. If you haven't heard it before, it is awesome. Check her out. So the return of Ashley's question, what does she have this week? Uh, She has two. For the first, she says, do you think Yuri is ready for a title fight? And how do you think he will do against Dion or Glover? And her second question is, if you can save one storyline on Raw right now, which one would it be and how would you do it? Okay, so part one, yes, Yuri is absolutely ready. And I think he wins about nine out of ten times versus Glover Teixeira, who, by the way, I love. But I really think that's the truth. He wins 9 out of 10 versus Glover and probably 6 or 7 out of 10 versus Jan uh, Blahovic. So the striking, the movement, the unusual angles he throws from, his experience, his confidence, his size, right? And he has a very healthy dose of crazy, which all <laughs> leads me to have him being a champion in 205 as soon as he gets the opportunity to, for sure. I'm very much team Yuri Prohaska. Okay. Part two, as far as part two goes, there really isn't a raw storyline that I'm like clamoring to be resumed, right? But here's my WWE idea. Bo Dallas recently got released, right? 
let's repackage him as another fiend. So because him and obviously him and Bray are brothers in real life, let's repackage him, make him some kind of fiend. But unlike the Kane and Undertaker storyline, when Kane came in and they, they feuded, join them, make them a team, have Alexa Bliss and them all mend the fences. So then they can be like, uh, actually, I don't know if you watched TNA back in the day, but there was a group called Decay. They could be like the newer upgraded version of Decay, the big bruiser guy, the 220 pound worker guy, and then the female lead who does the great promo. Oh my gosh, I could just see so many fun things coming out of it. So yes, repackage Bo Dallas, make him and bring a team, bring Alexa in. That's what I would do with the WWE right now if I was in the, uh, you know, the whatever you call it, the creative committee or something. So that's exactly what I would do. Again, great questions, Ashley. You know how much we love you. You're my girl. And absolutely check out her new rebrand, if you will, the Silly Little Podcast. It's got MMA. It's got wrestling. It's got music. It's got video games. It's got all kinds of cool stuff. She is amazing. So thank you very much, Ashley. Let's move into our dude from up in Canada, Rage Sweet Potato. What do you got this week, my brother? Dominic Reyes has gone from the devastator to the devastated after being brutally flatlined in his last two fights. Just over a year ago, he gave John Jones his toughest test to date and arguably won the fight. Since then, he has been absolutely starched by Jan and Yuri. So where does Reyes go from here? He's on a three-fight skid, and the UFC has been awfully quick to cut the cord lately on guys that they think are overpaid. I'd like to see Reyes stick around myself. Who would you match him up against now to test and see if he still belongs in the UFC light heavyweight division? So next month, first of all, that's a great question, RSP. Next month, Jamal Hill and Paul Craig are fighting. I think that Jamal Hill is going to win that fight. So let's see if and when he does. Let's match them up in about four months, give or take, four to five months. Let's match up Dominic Reyes versus Jamal Hill. You want to talk about a fan-friendly matchup? That would be it. Both guys, 6'4", tall, long, rangy, all stand-up, totally fan-friendly. And then you can also gauge from that fight where both guys are going with their, with their career trajectory, if you will. I think Jamal Hill has fantastic potential. I think Tom Reyes is still a player. We would get all of those answers from that fight. If Dom Reyes were to lose to Jamal Hill, I think they may give him one more shot, maybe on like a, like a fight night, maybe a feature prelim against somebody who's outside of the top 20. But if he wins, I think that catapults him back into that top 10. If Jamal Hill wins, that really pushes him forward because uh, he would be 9-0 at that point, then 10-0 if he were to beat Dom Reyes. So he would have to get moved up into the conversation of that top seven, top eight in the uh, ranking. So, yeah, I would love to see if Jamal Hill gets by Paul Craig, which, like I said, I think he will. I would like to see Jamal Hill versus Dominic Reyes in a few months, and then we really get a lot of questions answered out of that fight. So great question again. RSP, thank you so much, my brother. Uh, let's move into our girl, APB. APB, what do you got this week? Do you agree with the DQ in the Marcos-Pinero fight? I don't think it was intentional, and Pinero had all, already eye-poked Marcos pretty badly after she was warned about having her fingers extended. It's also weird that it's an illegal kick if both fighters are downed. I thought a no contest would have been a would would have been better since both fighters made illegal moves. Oh, and add that Kai Kamako was robbed. <laughs> well, <laughs> second part first. Yes, Kai Kamaka, I think for sure won that fight. In my opinion, it should have been uh, a decision for Kai, but. 
We can't do anything about that now. So as far as the bigger question, it's such a tough call, APG. Like like Felder uh, saw, it really looked to me at first like Pinero was really kind of playing it up after that kick. And then I watched the replay a few times, and I saw from a few different angles. Yes, there for sure was a delayed reaction. That I grant everybody, right? It's weird to see a kick, and then you sit up for a second and then fall down like you got snipered from the roof. I get that. When I saw like how hard that kick landed, where it landed, I started to kind of join the camp of maybe it really was as devastating as it looked, right? I'm okay with the DQ. Um, and then the finger pokes aside, that's a different, you know, that's a whole different infraction at a different time of the fight. So that's really not part of the equation as far as I'm looking at it. The DQ was warranted because it really did seem to uh, kind of blast um, blast her into outer space, you know, for, for a bit there. Um, but I'd be all for changing the rule set completely. Allow kicks to the to the head of a grounded opponent. Allow knees. Fucking pride never die, baby. I'd be all for that. Believe me. Jeez. So, yes, that's my answer on that one. APB, great friend of the show, great friend of mine. Thank you so very much. Oh, and big shout out to Mama Sims. You can't be a wuss and have a puss. Rock on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get into our voice questions. So, Dre, this is where we say goodbye for this week. But thank you once again for rocking out all of your segments. You kicked ass. And, yes, I'm glad for you once again <laughs> that you won last night. Also, that Cub did not have to be your world-famous Dre's drop of the night because I know that it would have weighed on you. I absolutely <laughs> did not want that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you very, very much, my friend. We'll talk to you again next week. All right. See you next week. All righty, fight fam. Let's go ahead and get into our voice questions. And our first one comes from the OG, the big homie, Jimmy Soon. Jim, what do you got this week, my dude? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Rhino and around again. Hope y'all doing well. Well, that fucking ending. Holy shit, man. Like, Yuri just fucking killed him with that shot, eh? But uh, they're saying... A title shot next but I'm not sure he's gonna wait that long you know I could see him throwing in there with somebody else he's only the second fight in the UFC you know what I mean like fucking give him that racket or something like that put them underneath the fucking title fight just in case something like that happens you can throw one of them guys in there right so anyways give it a great work you guys I love the fucking show and you know it's always 420 kids peace yeah, Jim, you might be right. Uh, you may not want to sit around and wait for Jan and Glover to happen and see what happens. But if I'm him, dude, I'm going to probably wait. Even though you're probably right, he, he doesn't want to probably sit out for that long. But I think he beats anyone at 205 right now. Uh, but you have to take injuries into account. He could be, you know, three months away from a title shot and then blow an ACL, God forbid, or something like that. So I think the smart play is to just keep training. Yan and Glover is uh, early September. Yeah, I believe it's like September 4th, I believe. So it's not that far away. So just get yourself ready and then go get your belt, right? <laughs> That's what I'm looking at because I think I think Yuri Prohaska beats everybody right now, really, at, at 205. Not just just the recency bias. We just look at his whole career. This dude is, he is everything that you want a 205 champion to be. I definitely got Yuri, Yuri Prochaska. And uh, yeah, so I would just wait if I was him. So thank you very much, Jim. All uh, right. And our next one comes from the homie juice from the friendly sparring pod juice. What do you got for us this week? What's up, Rhino? It's your boy juice from the friendly sparring podcast. 
Great night of fights last night. Yuri Prohaska did Yuri Prohaska things. And after the fight, I go on Twitter and I see the champion, Jan Wachowicz, call him out. Say, hey, Polish Prince versus Czech Samurai. Let's do it in any named a city in Poland that I can't pronounce. A couple things to unpack here. One, I'm not sure I like this trend of champions calling out contenders. Like, I just... Like, I appreciate, like, being in control of your career and everything, but, like... I don't know, it just doesn't seem like the thing to do. Other thing, Jan's got Glover next. I mean, I think I favor Jan, but Glover's a live dog in that fight. What are your thoughts on that, that whole situation, specifically the call-out from Jan? Uh, love to hear your answer, brother. Love the show. I, I think it was John Bohovich's way of saying, like, hey, dude, you just had a highlight real win, but I'm the champ, right? All eyes may be on you. You've got all the hype, but I'm not afraid of you. Uh, you don't have to wait. I don't have to wait to sit here and let you call me out. I'm going to call you out first, right? A little bit of mind game stuff, but it, it was okay. Um, as far as Glover goes, and like I said earlier before, I love Glover to share. I've always really, really liked him. He's a Chuck Liddell guy, and everybody knows Chuck Liddell is my most favorite fighter of all time. But at this stage of his career, I think Jan Blahovich wins almost everywhere. Of course, Glover has a chance. He still has that power. He can really rock him and knock him out or possibly submit him. But I just think the vast majority of times that they were to fight, Jan would beat uh, Glover, you know, and so I think it's going to be Yuri versus Jan at the end of the day for the 205-pound belt, and I think Yuri Prohaska wins. I really, really do. So I and I like Jan, Jan Blahovich as well, but I just think Jiri is on a whole. I just said Jiri. That's how G says it the other night. And I just copied it by accident. Uh, Yuri. That's how Yuri does it, and he is man. He's on the train, and I think there's no slowing him down. So, thank you very much, Juice. If you guys have already, of course, check out Juice and Leo at the Friendly Sparring Pod. Outstanding stuff. All right, let's go ahead and oh, we have a question from the Einstein of Graphic Design himself. Our homie Dave Fretz. Dave, what do you got this week? Hey, what's up, Rhino? This is Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, pretty simple, straightforward question today. Just wondering what your thoughts are regarding uh, how mainstream MMA is now and with the number of prospects available out there to the UFC in particular. Um, Wondering what your thoughts are regarding uh, how fast some guys are getting cut now. Uh, of course, I'm reflecting on Dom Reyes' last couple fights and thinking, you know, like one more fight with a, a bad KO and he could be on the chopping block, uh, which is really counter to past days when the UFC was starting out. And how do you think this affects other promotions? Um, is this a real bonus for other promotions? Do you think they really can start to get a leg up and create a little more competition for the UFC? Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. Peace. Yeah, dude, I, I think you hit the nail on the head for starters. If the UFC continues to fight, like to cut fighters after just three losses in a row, then more often than not, either the PFL or Bellator or the LFA or the CFFC or Titan, you know, um, etc., can pick them up, give them a new home, let them, you know, figure out whatever they were doing wrong, get it 
get it together, beef up their own divisions, right? They'll take the talent. They'll get it ready. They'll get the talent pool more rich and deep. The, just because a fighter loses three times in a row in the UFC doesn't mean they're a bad fighter, right? They are potentially, they could be a great fighter, right? It just might not be the right situation, not the right time. They were nursing an injury. There's a whole lot of different things that could be as to why they didn't win three fights. And it could just be that they're not that great of a fighter. I mean, of course, that's possible too. But yes, I think if the UFC is going to keep being the the trendsetter, the mainstay, the big dog uh, in the yard. And if a few people get cut here and there and they find success other places, I think that only helps all of MMA as a whole landscape. I really, really do. So thank you very much, Dave. Once again, another banger of a poster this week for Serena DeJesus. Knocks it out of the park yet again. If you haven't already, of course, check out some of Dave's stuff on Twitter and Instagram. Dave Fretz, at Dave Fretz on Twitter and IG. It is just brilliant, brilliant graphic design work. And he's my broski. So thank you very much, Dave. All right, let's get into our last one. Comes from the homie D. Kranz, who likes to get the questions in just on the cusp of the cutoff and sometimes a little bit after. <laughs> my homie D. Kranz, what do you got this week, brother? Hey, Rhino, what's going on, my brother? Oh, man, those were fun fights. Um, I really think we're going to see uh, Jones take a loss here soon, <laughs> one way or another. Uh, I wanted to hear your thoughts on that and who might be the one. And also, I feel like I shouldn't have brought up Romero and Rumble the last time because I, I cursed it. I really wanted to see that. Uh, I, I wanted to hear what you think about Yoel not clearing his pre-fight medical and what may have happened there. I uh, hope everyone has an awesome Sunday. Rhino gang, gang, gang. Yeah, homie, I'm pretty sure I'm going to need at least like 72 hours of being holed up in a dark room with just like the glow of film as I watch and take notes uh, <laughs> studying for before I can make an accurate assessment of what I think is going to happen in John Jones versus Francis and Gandhi when they meet up. It'll be like Charlie and uh, always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> he had all the graphs and the charts. Uh, and we've all seen that meme and gif if we don't watch the show, but I think it's going to have to be one of those, man, before I give a proper assessment of what I see going down in that fight. Um, as far as the, the deal with Yoel's eye is what is going on, that why he failed the pre-fight medicals for uh, Bellator. And no, that wasn't you, D. Kroz. You did not jinx it. We all were salivating to see that fight. I, I hope that whatever it is that's wrong with either Yoel's eye or eyes gets taken care of. Rumble's going ahead on, and fighting with a late replacement, but I still hope at some point down the road, maybe a year from now, Yoel can get whatever corrected uh, with his eyes and be able to fight. And then no matter what the situation is with any tournaments or anything, make that fight. Rumble versus Yoel is is Main Street fucking amazing contest that I think we all want to see. So I really hope we can catch it down the road. And uh, thank you so much, D. Cross, my brother, gang, gang, gang. All right, before we get into our 10 rounds with Serena DeJesus, let's get a quick word in from our wonderful sponsors, K&R Designs. Hey, Rhino gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? We'll look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, 
any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen out there in podcast land, we've got ourselves a very special guest, the only person ever. That I will, this is now our third time. The trilogy is happening. My girl, Serena DeJesus. Thank you so much for joining us, my friend. Thanks for having me on, Rhino. It's been a hot minute. I miss you. <laughs> oh, I missed you too. I, I got to be honest with you. So uh, for those of you who don't know, I used to do a different show a couple years ago. And Serena was my very first guest. And then when I started CS101, that was called CS101. And then when I started CSWR, I think Serena was my th- my third or fourth guest somewhere in there. So it's been far too long. I'm so happy to have my friend back on the show for the third time. Serena, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I just had a great day exploring at a syndicate. I got to work with uh, Joanne Calderwood, who's getting ready for her fight with Lauren Murphy. And there's like a whole bunch of cool cats swinging through the gym and I've been able to spar with. So I'm a happy girl. I'm getting, t- I'm getting better. I've had an improved diet that helped me in my last fight that I've been keeping with. So my walking weight is holding steady. So I'm, ni- I'm a nice, lean, lean machine, you know? <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah, a lean, mean, lean machine. I love it. Uh, so Serena, last time we talked, you uh, did not go through what came about later in the show, which is the 10 rounds of the Rhino format. So I've already asked you some of the questions that I typically ask. In those, so I've changed it up. I've made it completely customized just for you, my friend. So round one with Rhino this week is, since we've interviewed previously, I know my normal first question, my listeners know, is what first got you into MMA, but we've already asked you that before. So my question for you for round one is, what is the first MMA experience you remember watching? Was it a UFC? Was it a Bellator? Was it a Strike Force? What do you remember watching as your first time seeing it being like, holy shit, this is amazing? Paul Herrera versus Gary Goodridge. That was my first my first exposure to MMA, period, because I was five years old. So my reward for doing good in kindergarten, you know, just do it, you know, listen to the teacher, all that, getting my high marks, whatever, was I got to go to the video rental store. I know I just dated myself there, but who cares? I would get anime. And meanwhile, my dad would get UFC on VHS. So one day, you know, because I'm all into Power Rangers, Sailor Moon and anime and just like Street Fighter and Tekken and all that stuff. Um, Cause yay arcades. I came down one night and I saw that fight and the transition that Gary Goodridge gets to the crucifix was very re- reminiscent of my favorite Tekken character King when he's, when he starts grappling and I'm like, wow, this is so cool. And I became an MMA fan afterwards. So that was my first exposure to MMA was that fight. Oh, that's fantastic. What a great one to have, too. Um, yes, mm-hmm. you're not dating yourself because the old rhino actually drove himself 
to Blockbuster in 1993 and got himself <laughs> UFC one. So you, <laughs> there you go. So I, I definitely, I definitely remember that feeling my, myself, my friend. Um, so as we were recording this, Serena, it is Autism Awareness Month. We are, we've talked about this several times before. My profession, that's what I do. That's what I work with. I work with autism. You are one of the very small, tiny group of people who are diagnosed for real autistic who are also professional fighters. What would you say are some of the benefits of martial arts for someone who has ASD? So at least for me, like it's helped me not stim as much. It's helped me kind of have more peace of mind. And honestly, it's helped me have a, you know, have a community. Cause I'm not going to lie. Like before martial arts, it was kind of to myself. Um, you know, I didn't associate with too many people, but like, I really felt like I was in, included in a community once I started creating, like everyone's nice. Everyone's cool. Like it comes with its ups and downs, just like with everything else in life. But it's kind of for, you know, for the first time in a long time, I had some real quality friends, kind of clear, it's kind of giving me a reason day on tear of sorts. So, and it gives me an outlet for when I get, you know, too flustered, like everybody can tell when I haven't trained for a few days, because I'm a lot more fidgety and a lot more jumpy with like noises and stuff like that. So it's been beneficial. And as my mom puts it, this is the happiest and healthiest she's ever seen me in anything I've, I've tempted to do, which is pretty ironic given the nature of our business right (laughs) (laughs) well again any one of my friends being the happiest healthiest version they can be warms my heart i gotta be honest with you so we Mm -hmm. we, we've been homies for a couple years now serena um i know what a run the jewels stand that you are can you and i know a lot of my listeners love that group as well can you give us the serena de jesus the southpaw outlaw the reenzilla top three RTJ songs. Okay, I obviously thirty. All right, thirty-six inch chain. There's from RTJ one. Um, because I'm gonna go in order. I mean, so we have um, I'll run the jewels two. I would have to pick Crown from RTJ two. RTJ three and four. I kind of like them both, but I'm leaning toward four because I really did enjoy um. Last words to the firing squad. I did enjoy off their RTJ4 album, but honestly, that whole last album was fire. I loved Just, but there's more than top three. I have to have like a top five or top ten to go on. Go with ahead, make it a top. Go ahead, make it a top five. We'll we'll we'll, we'll adjust this on the fly. Make it a top five RTJ songs. All right, so Blockbuster Night Part Two is definitely has to be up in that list too, because I think besides Legend Has It, that's like their underground classic, and Get It is also good. I actually, that's actually how I got into Run the Jewels is when Rose Namajunas was still with Invicta. She walked out to get it. And I'm like, I got to find out who this group is because I'm like doing the <laughs> Jay-Z, like popping my head like, uh-huh, I like this. And that's kind of how I got into Run the Jewels. So thank you, Thug Rose. <laughs> <laughs> that's an amazing, I didn't know that backstory is how that's how I got into it. That's an amazing story. Um, your last fight was a win in January for Valor. Uh, do you have any clue? You and I were talking a little bit off the air. Do you have any clue as when we're going to hopefully see you back in the cage next? Stay tuned this summer. It's coming soon. I've been waiting for it. I've been wanting it. People are going to catch these hands and these elbows. And I've got some tough competition that's in the works. So we'll see which one happens first. 
So we're looking at this summer, next time we're going to see it, and that's that's as far as we're going with it. So we are all going to stay tuned to see the next time the Reenzilla, the Southpaw Outlaw, gets in there and throws those fucking hands. I can't wait. I'm so mm-hmm. stoked. So you have posted a lot of videos. I have to stop. I keep slapping the table because I'm so excited. to. <laughs> it's going sound, to sound like, what, what is he doing over there? So um, your last fight, obviously, was a win in January we talked about. You've been posting a lot of videos for the past year or so, maybe maybe longer, with your coach Marvin, the Beast Man Eastman. Uh, are, what are some parts of the game that you think Marvin has really been able to level you up in, to use a video game term? So what I think with him is he's really exposed um, how to utilize my elbows and how to utilize my strength. So he knows I'm really good at kicking, but the problem is he's breaking down what MMA kicking is and what traditional tie kicking is and how to utilize that so I can have longer reach and such. And he's also added boxing a bit more because he Marvel also does boxing a bit. And I mean, I had the what I would think it were fundamentals of boxing, but he built upon those more and more. So now I'm utilizing more of my body within for my punches than I used to in the past. So my strength, what one of my strengths is my physical strength, I would like to think. Because when I hit people, they don't like it. So if you <laughs> look at my last fight, I think it showed the improvements I made because every time I, my rear hand connected, I would make people st- like goose-legged and everything. Also, hats off still to um, Christina Ricker. She is one tough broad. I threw everything and the kitchen sink to her, cut her open, and she would not stop. And I'm just like, I even like, I don't know what happened to me mid-fight or whatever, but I guess the adrenaline pumped or something on the third round. I got her on the floor. I'm fishing for a submission. I'm like, let me get this so I can stop hitting you. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, why, I, like, why the hell did I just say that? But it was just like, I'm hitting this girl so much and she just will not stop. And I'm just like, how much more is she going to take? But that girl is as tough as nails. And I still like hella respect the, the hell out of her. So. But yeah, it was a great fight. It was my first time fighting in a cowboy bar. A cowboy bar called Cotton Eye Joe's, no less. So that was neat. But it made getting drinks a lot easier after the fight. But <laughs> so fun. And then like two fights broke out after the fights ended because I was co-main event and then the, co- then the main event happened and then like there was like two fights that broke out. One inside the bar and then another spilled out. And when the other fights spilled outside the bar, the barkeep is like this one lady who's like probably 120 pounds stopping wet. I'm helping her close the door and being a good citizen. And then what I thought was a child or, a t- or at least a young teenager was trying to push through the doors. And I'm just like, kid, don't go out there. Sh- you know, shit's wild out there. They fucking shoved me. And I'm like, what? And it turned around. It's a small person. It's a little person who just shoved me. It's like 4'11". I'm like, I'm sitting here going, did I just get shoved by, you know, by some small person? Did I just, and then she, I turn around, I look at her, and she kind of remembers who I am because I just fought, like, not that long ago, and she walks off. And then I see the police coming down the road. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to get involved. So I went and got my tequila shots with my mom and enjoyed the rest of my night. (laughs) (laughs) That's a fun story. Oh, it was great. That is really funny. That's one of those deals where you wish you had, like, like, like a little bit of footage of that, you know what I'm saying? So people could just yeah, see like the expression on your face. Like, Did this little motherfucker just push me? <laughs> yeah, I'm just not like the audacity of this hoe to push me. 
You know, that's funny. That's great that you brought up your mom because uh, the last time we talked, we talked pretty extensively about your family. Um, are your siblings, any of them still training in martial arts? Yes, my little brother is still training in martial arts. He's actually working with me and Marv and um, 17 years old. He's like 6'2 and 170 pounds. And he's because he turns 18 in October. He's hoping to have that amateur debut here in town for Tough Enough. So fingers crossed because I'm going to be a freaking lunatic in his corner. And what's crazy now is Tough Enough is actually, is actually streaming on Fight Pass, which I think is the wildest thing in the world. Like when I first, when I had my fights, I will be tripping and all excited when they made it to YouTube. Now this little brunt gets to freaking have his fights on fight on fight pass the first go around. I'm like, damn. <laughs> what a Serena, trick. I remember the first Serena, I remember the first time I fought on regional Fox Sport Detroit. I thought I had made it. Okay. Like yeah, right? a reach of maybe three hundred thousand people. <laughs> I thought this it just doesn't get any bigger than this. And that was after I'd already had, you know, fourteen profiles or something like that at the time. So yeah, it's amazing the way technology is getting uh, fights that you normally would never get a chance to see seen either online or on the air. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, this kid is a powerhouse. Like he had no prior wrestling experience. And in his freshman year of high school, he he fought, he basically King of the mountain fought his way to varsity, which I think is super impressive, but he's still a monster on the ground. He's getting better with his hands. Like he's sparring with heavyweights at the gym. He's snapping their head back with just his jab. He's got that Usman jab on point already. And yeah. I'm, that's what that's the things that Marv shows. Like he shows the you know, sharpens your fundamentals and then he really builds you up. And I've been really appreciative about that. Like him, Mike Pyle, Neil Melanson, who's helping me with my wrestling nowadays. And of course the head of head of Honcho of the gym, John Wood, like all of them have come together to really make what I you know, a beautiful display of what I, you know, put out. In every time I fight, and I'm really grateful for all of them because it really does take a whole team to, you know, build a person up. One hundred percent. Moving into our next question, ASD advocacy is a passion for both of us. Um, some organizations, you know, you've you've made it a point to call out as being ones you think are really good, ones you don't agree with or align your views with. Can you kind of let the people know if they want to learn more or? Uh, kind of get involved with the advocacy and learning more about ASD. And if you have a family member who's ha who has ASD, what are or some organizations that you kind of look at and you, you like think are reputable and good ones for people to kind of look up and look into? So my favorite advocacy um, sites for auti um, autism and autistic people to flock to and their families are Fighting for Autism and the Autistic Self-Advocacy Network, known as ASON, because they're for, by, you know, there's autistic members and there's autistic, you know, leaders within those communities. Just anything that has autistic leaders or people who are involved are really the groups you should be going into. There are groups that unfortunately get rich and profit off of fear mongering with autism and groups that talk about curing autism or screening for autistic genes, which is pretty much a low key way of saying, oh, eugenics. Um, so, like, organizations like Autism Speaks or Talk About Curing Autism or Next for Autism or whatever is, um, I don't agree with. It's like, autistic genes have been shown to be genetic. Autism is a genetic thing. The genetics itself go back 10,000 years. So that nonsensical vaccines cause autism is exactly that. It's a myth, it's a lie, and it's a dangerous one. You know, because I would love to see where the vaccines were all the way back in human history. 
we are now in an era where we don't necessarily need these genet, you know, where these genetics don't work bond with today's society. Cause like we don't like 10,000 plus years ago, we didn't have electricity. We didn't have all these cars, airplanes, whatnot. The world was a lot quieter, you know? And even then there were so many myths that sounded like ancient that, uh, autism, you know, as weird as that sounds, such as the changeling myth within Europe, where for those who don't know what a changeling is, it was the story that basically fairies kidnapped a human baby and replaced it with their own. And because the child did not act or communicate like a human, it was said that their human child was kidnapped and they have to bring him back. When you compare it to today's autism warrior parents, as I like to call them, the ones who don't listen to autistic voices, um, they're always talking about autism stole my child and I have to get them back, which I find very disheartening, kind of sad. I can't imagine being an autistic, you know, an autistic child listening to their parents talking about that stuff because we've heard parents who talk about killing their autistic kids and themselves and unfortunately a lot of parents who have done it because that's kind of why the autistic lifespan is really low compared to our, our neurotypical peers. We're looking at an average age of death of 36. So I'm 29 right now, and that makes it kind of scary. But for low knees autistics like myself, the age, the age of death gets risen to about 50 in the 50s. So I'm still looking at a 20 to 30 year less life expectancy than my neurotypical peers. I mean, that's an odd I'm going to beat, and I'm going to try and help others on the spectrum beat. But that's still a really scary statistic. Absolutely. And I think I think someone with your platform uh, being able to express which organizations you find to be reputable is really a great thing where others like myself and anybody else listening, we can look into and uh, get the proper kind of information um, that we need to, to move forward to learn more about ASD. And, you know, especially if we are a family member uh, or we have a close a close friend who, who has been diagnosed with ASD. So thank you very much for sharing those with us. So moving on a big hard left turn to a new topic, we know that our girl, the Ringzilla, is a huge anime fan. What is the anime you are watching right now? What are you, what are you most into right now in the anime world? The new season of My Hero Academia dropped last month, and I've been all up on that like white on rice. So <laughs> clear, I've been also, um, Roxy, my friend, has been, who's well now out because she had surgery, She's been giving me ideas. Like, apparently, the next on the list is The Promised Neverland, which I'm going to watch. Honestly, I need a lot more anime to cheer me up because what happened is, like, a month or two ago, I finished watching WandaVision, and my heart freaking shattered because, like, okay, we're, in, we're, in, we're about to be in May, so if you guys haven't watched WandaVision, that's too bad for you. Spoilers are ahead. Wanda deserved better. Vision deserved better. Everybody deserved better. And the hell with D- Director Haywood. Fuck that guy. And now I have to wait a whole ass year to see Wanda come back and Doctor Strange uh, and the and the multi realms of madness or whatever that new movie is in order to finally get some closure because I'm so mad because it was interesting watching the season finale because you see Anti Vision the White Vision and Vision the one that was created kind of merged together so it was a theoretical like soul and body coming back together and then he flew off and the other vision didn't tell Wanda it's like oh hey babe by the way I just brought myself back to life you should find him no 
freaking flies off and the other vision doesn't say anything. It makes me mad as hell. I'm like, this is, and then of course when he fades away, I'm like, I actually cried ugly tears. Like, <laughs> I was drunk, but I like, I cried so hard afterwards. And like, my brother's walking in, like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a sucker. I mean, like, I'm, I mean, I may like love to rip and tear until it's done, like Doom Slayer style, but I'm still, I, got feelings and stuff i'm still sensitive so that got me good well we wouldn't change a single thing about you over here at cswr lorene zella we love you very very much we are so glad you came on yes again if you could do round 10 for us which is just sharing your social media like let us know where we can follow you both on ig and twitter and any of your other socials so we can keep tabs on lorene zella moving forward Sweet. So if you want to follow my movements and see which town I'm smashing next, please follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Serena Southfall. And I also have a Facebook page, Serena the Southfall Outlaw de Jesus. So yeah, keep on keeping on with what I'm doing. And I can't wait to announce these fights coming up. So check it out, guys. We are all really, really looking forward to it, Serena. Again, my dear friend, 20 minutes just went by like a flash. I am so thankful for you to come on. This is uh not a typical uh, 10 rounds of Rhino because we actually covered some very important and serious stuff away from the fight world. And there is no better person to have on than you to cover this subject matter. It's really, really close to my heart. It's what I've devoted the last seven years of my professional life to. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. You know how much we love you. And thank you so much for coming on again this week. Of course. And thanks for having me on again, Rhino. It's always a pleasure being on your show. This is Serena, the Southpaw Outlaw de Jesus, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Man, that was great to talk to Serena again. I, I'll tell you what, it, it's I love and have a passion for combat sports. That's what everybody who knows me knows. But the other passion I have in life is working with uh, people who have autism and getting awareness out about ASD and how complicated and how wide the spectrum is about it. And Serena is the absolute top of the heap as far as wonderful people to talk to about not only MMA, but about autism. And, and I, I just can't thank her enough for being a part of the show again today, right on the heels of Autism Awareness Month. Fantastic stuff. Thank you so much, Serena. We love you. I want to give a big shout out to everybody in the forum today. Dean Dog, my dude. Ashley from the Cinder Little Pod, Rage Sweet Potato, Jim Asoon, Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod, our girl APB, Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz on Twitter and Instagram, the inside of Rev Design. Of course, my homie Marquise from Weak Sauce Radio, Miss Fight Diva. Once again, everybody in the Rhino Gang GC, gang, gang, all the ladies and Juice in the PRG. Um, definitely want to thank Brad and the Pamela's and everybody else who listens every week and comments. Thank you guys so much for everything you do. And a very special shout out to my girl Storm. Um, you know, we just had that conversation with Serena. Uh, Storm is is another advocate for, for people with ASD. She's a mother uh, of a child with ASD. And she is a fantastic person. I know how, how challenging it can be. Sometimes it feels thankless, right? But you're doing amazing. And you've always got a friend in this field to help you or to talk about things if you need us to. Uh, absolutely love you, Storm. I hope you are doing great, my friend. Definitely want to shout out everybody else in the uh, in the show here. So, of course, Rhino Gang, feature player, Drea, we love you. Excellent work 
again this week. Of course, the D Reigns, the best in the biz, the top engineer, the, the man, the myth, the legend, and then Dave Fretz at Twitter and IG. Dave Fretz, you want to see the top tier of uh, graphic design? He is the man. Of course, everybody, be kind this week. We're getting through this together. Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week. K-Sun!